What's up, everybody? Are you tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS? Well, tune in to me, Tyson Apostle, as I break down each and every episode with my co-host, Amelia Wedemeyer. I'm also a contestant on the show, which gives you all the insider scoop. Amelia, how stoked are you to do this? Tyson, I'm freaking excited. I cannot wait to sit my butt down every single week to watch the show, then come here and recap it with you on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to another pop culture history lesson. My name is Amelia Wedemeyer, and today I am joined by Zach Peter of the hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter podcast. And we are going to be talking about a little show that I think we both loved called Rock of Love, which recently celebrated 15 years, which just makes me feel so old. So old. Zach, how are you? Oh, we're going to talk about Rock of Love. Don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) Okay. Touch my backstage pass, ride my limousine, be my rock of love. (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time. Okay, I'm ready. Don't threaten me with a good time. Oh, my God. Such a poignant moment, actually, in culture, because Taylor Swift later stole that line and uh, used it for one of her songs. So I'm just saying it was Tiffany before Taylor, but. Tiffany before Taylor. That should be the hashtag. We're going to start a movement. It was Tiffany before Taylor. Exactly. Justice for Tiffany, by the way. Can we talk about how like she was just like totally erased from like the rock of love history and all the future spinoffs? Like we just completely like we need hashtag justice for Tiffany because Uh, she we need to put some more respect on her name. She was fun. The first couple episodes that she was there, she was like you said, don't threaten her with good time. She was just drunk the entire time just happy to be there happy to be there and that's what we love to see you know so okay yes so we're gonna talk a little bit about a little vh1 show called rock of love um okay so just a little background 
I know that you have done some interviews, which I've watched and loved. I loved your interviews. Uh, I watched actually Lacey just the other day and I really liked it. Um, I was just like, oh my God, Lacey is so, she's so sweet. She's totally different from uh, how she was portrayed on the show and everything. But um, can you tell me a little bit about the interviews that you did and like, like what kind of spurred you on to do the just like out of like all the shows you could have done? Why Rock of Love? Well, I was raised on reality TV. Flavor of Love was my yes. dad and Chris Jenner was my mom. So, <laughs> you know, and Brett Michaels was Brett Michaels was my naughty uncle that, you know, you kind of I awkwardly laughed at. And so I it was in 2020. I had I had the podcast already going on and I was just starting to do everyone was zooming. So I was like, well, you know, I was Lacey had just launched her podcast with right. Heather and it was called Talk of Love. Right. And so her and I connected via Instagram and I was like, why don't you come on the podcast? And it took us a while to actually schedule it. But once I got one of them, I was like, oh, why don't I reach out to a few of them? So I reached out to some of the Flavor of Love girls. I reached out to some of the um, I Love New York guys and the (laughs) Rock of Love ladies. And it was it was a blast. We did a whole throwback month where I went and interviewed Lacey. I interviewed Megan, 12 packs, Safari, Hoops, um, Heat, New York. So, you know, I wanted to take us back to that golden era Ah. of reality television, which I love because now here they are (laughs) all these years later and they spilled all the tea on all the shows, which is amazing for me. Yes. And you guys listening will have to go over to Zach's YouTube page or his podcast and listen because they are very good. They're really fun. And, you know, it's just like you said, it was it's nostalgic. It's just I'm just like, oh, my God, my childhood. I love it. So and also we recently did. Well, I guess recently, as in like a couple months ago, we did a podcast celebrating flavor of love. So shout out to my colleagues, Waz and Charles for that episode really fun episode. And they also talked about uh, Flavor of Love, um, how it was like, you know, this mid 2000s reality show. Um, uh, they, they did a lot of talking about uh, Flavor, Flav himself, and just how there was like a paradigm shift from music because VH1 really was like, I don't know if you watched VH1 before all the Rock of Love or Rock of or Lo- of Love series, but it really was. I remember uh, it being a lot of music videos. And then there was this huge shift to reality shows after all these shows became so popular. Did you like watch, like what, how did you find VH1, I guess? I mean, I always loved anything pop culture, reality TV. And I mean, I mean, I, I, also really just love trash TV, like Jerry Springer. Uh, you know, if I could sneak that in, I was like, give me, let me grow up on that. that you was, know, yeah, give me all the Maury. chaos. <laughs> Yeah, that was Maury, me. Oh my God. I used to speak you are Maury. not the father. Yes. What? I what? love that. No. Flake <laughs> is definitely the father. I would, I would, you know, blend them all together. Right. Um, so I mean, I do remember when they were just music video channels, MTV right. and VH1, and it was just music videos that would kind of play. And so I'd be getting ready, in, you know, for school in the morning, blow drying my hair like I'm actually, you know, somebody and and people cared what my hair looks like. <laughs> but uh, you know, I would have the music videos playing in the background. Right. And it's funny how it shifted from being music to then being music figures that were, (laughs) you know, kind of just... Yeah, they so they kept it in the family. So many people are like, well, they abandoned music, VH1 and MTV. But I'm like, well, not really. They just ended up taking these figures in music and centering them on these reality shows. Totally. that, And it's it's so interesting how, you know, we had... um, 
the well, I, I thought the surreal life was brilliant too. I loved that show as well. Which, and like you said, they take like the old stars or people. Kind of, well, if we're being honest, has been generous. That's has been, yeah. yeah exactly. that was, that was a, I was going to say that was a generous term. <laughs> Exactly. All these husbands where you're like, oh my God, I haven't seen them before in a long time where it's like, because there was no social media. So we didn't have any really way of kind of keeping up with them. And now, you know, this was, that was kind of a way to keep up with them where you're like, oh my God. So that's what happened to that one Baywatch woman, or that's what happened to Vanilla Ice. And Obviously, Flava Flav goes on that show. He hits it off with Brigitte Nielsen. They have a whole toward oh. love affair. They have their own series, uh, Strange Love, which I don't know if you watched, but was definitely strange. Um, it was fun. And then he had his whole uh, <laughs> flavor of love, which was modeled after the, the Bachelor. And I think for a while, the producers of the show wanted to call it The Black Bachelor before, you know, The Bachelor became diversified. And so they continued that with Rock of Love, which I think, again, was kind of modeled after like, it was like a a version of The Bachelor, a version of uh, Flavor of Love. And it was kind of for more like white audiences almost. And obviously it was a popular show. Brett Michaels said it was the most popular show on VH1. I remember him saying that. Uh, we had them. Oh, Which yeah. was not true, by the way, right? Because didn't <laughs> Flavor of Love. I like, think when so. I heard, I was watching an interview that he did a couple years ago. And he's like, yeah, it was the highest rated show. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. like some, this is some very Trumpian delusions of grandeur that <laughs> we have here. revisionist history. Yeah, you were not. I mean, they did great. It was a great, sure. iconic show. Yeah. But Flavor of Love far surpassed them in the ratings. I think Flavor of Love's highest was like in the five millions and Rock of yes. Love, like their highest was in like the three millions. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I know. I was like, Brett, what What are we doing? Okay. Interesting. And I remember him even saying it on one of the seasons. I think it was the third season, Rock of Love bus for um, any of you who remember where they go on a bus and tour around the country, which I thought was kind of fun. How could we forget? How could, but that was the best season, in my opinion. I don't know. Well, what was your favorite season of the Of Love franchises? Not the bus. I'll tell you really? that. Um, okay, okay. I, I feel like the bus is when we took a nosedive. <laughs> um, I mean, season one was great with Lacey, but I think yeah. season two was probably my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't I know people don't like her, but I like I like Daisy. I think she's cute, and I thought I love Daisy of Love. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I like I I will literally watch any of these shows and enjoy them. So. I mean, sure. But of all of the ones we could have given a spinoff to from Rock of Love, it, I don't know yeah. if Daisy was at the top of my list. You're like, right. Megan, I don't okay, think so. Put some respect on Megan's check. She earned sure. that with Charm School and I Love Money. <laughs> yes. I, but like if if anyone was going to get a spinoff, it should have been like Lacey or Heather. Heather would have been wild. The I Heart Heather spinoff, I oh, think would have been God. insane. I know when they were talking about how uh, she was going to get I Heart Heather and Lacey was going to get I Love Lacey. I was like, why didn't we get those shows? A little disappointed with that. So anyway, um, Rock of Love was parodied on SNL, which I think it's like if you you know, it's a cultural touchstone when you've been parodied on SNL. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of huge. And like you were saying, the third season finale of Rock of Love hit three point two million, which was, I guess, a series high for VH1, according to them. But like you said, I'm pretty sure that Flavor of Love did hit in the five millions. Well, a series high for Rock of Love. That oh, specific sure. Series. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Which I think is where Brett kind of got a little confused. I think it's the <laughs> extensions were just, you know, not really. They were a little too well. tight. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So 
what appealed to you about Rock of Love, I guess, out of, you know, if you're sitting down on a, I don't know which day it came out, but, um, and you were like, I'm going to choose that over, I don't know, like The Bachelor or Survivor or any other kind of reality show. I mean, obviously the chaos, like totally the women were so wild and Brett was just like such a character. Mm. Um, and listen, when you're on cable, like it's a lot looser, whereas you're going to have a survivor or a bachelor that's going to yeah. be a little more scripted. We kind of have totally. to, you know, make sure we're pleasing the advertisers a little more where if you're going to be advertising on VH1, you're just like, give me those ratings. Give me <laughs> that audience. Right. Like you don't really care about maintaining a brand <laughs> image. And I think so rock of love. And Rock of Love was just so wild. I mean, he rides up in the motorcycle Mm, with his extensions flapping in the wind. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, these women are so hot. And there's like, oh my God, Brett Michaels. And we now know that they had no idea it was going to be Brett Michaels. They were just cast on this reality show. And they were all surprised when like Flav and and Brett came out. And they were just like, oh my God. And like half of them had no clue who he was. Like that makes it so much better to know that they were really just putting on this whole act. The, right. Totally. This whole facade. That's so funny. Well, it's uh, that you say that is really funny because I, so I was watching some episodes the other day. I like was like, well, I guess I should probably rehash things so I can kind of remember everything. But then I was like, oh, I, I did this literally last month. But um, they had some people like come on as super fans. I remember, I think in the first season. And what surprised me was that none of these people were fans of like Poison or Brett Michaels for more than like a year. They were like, Sarah, who has been a fan of Poison for five months. And I was like, are you ki- you five months? That's why she was cast on the show. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be the super fan. So start listening to their one hit. (laughs) Right now. On repeat. (laughs) Every rose has its thorn, which. Every rose has its thorn. Oh, my God. The number of plays that song has gotten over the years on VH1 is astronomical. Which, listen, I like Every Rose Has Its Thorn, but Be My Rock of Love, the theme song, was just like far superior in my mind. It is. It's good. That one is good. Also, I think he has better songs with Poison, but um, I was wondering, did you know Brett prior to Rock of Love? You personally? Like most of the women, no, I did not. (laughs) Um, I I did not. I mean, I had heard of Poison, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a super fan. No, of course not. Same. Well, same here. I was just like, okay, so we're doing, we're rehashing these has-beens. We're giving them their second um, day in the sun, if you will. That's what these shows eventually became, right? Right. It was a way for these former rockers or former musicians to kind of have a, you know, resurgence with their careers. And Brett even talked about how they had offered this to him, you know, years prior, he turned it down. Then we had Flavor of Love and the way it really brought Flav back into modern culture. Then I'm pretty sure his team was like, okay, you have to do this now because (laughs) this is what's going to actually make you relevant again. And it did because it led to like his own spinoff show. It led to him being on Celebrity Apprentice. Like, you know, it really kind of helped put him back in our world. That's no, that's such a good point. And and you also missed when he showed up as the banana on uh, The Masked Singer recently. I don't know if you saw that. but oh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, what's that's so interesting because I, too, I remember I was in high school when this came out and I was like, I don't know who this person is, but I honestly thanks. Thank you, because he was really what's funny to me is that uh, and I think for, you know, for the most part, Flav as well. What really propelled the show was the women and their 
antics and their crazy personalities. And I honestly, I thought Brett was like a a nice enough person. And he seemed to be in on the joke, too, which I appreciated maybe a little more than Flav, who I think is funny as well. But um, I, what I liked about Brett was that he wasn't overbearing and trying to kind of like be the star every uh, moment we saw him on TV, which I mean, was a lot. But I was wondering, what were your thoughts as Brett um, on Brett as kind of like the lead, as they say, like, you know, on like the bachelor lead or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they really sold it to us as he was this big rock and roll legend. They did. So, you know, 13 year old me was like, oh yeah, he's a rock and roll legend. Oh, it's <laughs> Brett Michaels. Oh my gosh. Like I was ready to flash my tits at the TV <laughs> thinking he's this legend. Right. Sure, so yeah. to me, I was like, yeah, he's, he's rock of, he's royalty. I mean, and also around that same time we had like Gene Simmons, family jewels oh. and the Osbournes. So like rock in reality TV and pop culture were kind of, you know, that was right. popular at that time. So, Definitely. you know, it, I believed he was Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Did I mean, you feel the same way? Were you crushing <laughs> on him? Were you ready to sign up for season three? Um, You know, I would say no, but I did appreciate just like this person that I had never seen before. And, you know, again, I respected that he seemed to be for the most part, in on the joke. And I, I remember watching, there was a scene from the third season where he talks about one of the girls, Marcia, she had just finished barfing in a toilet. And then uh, she had eaten some Doritos too. So she had regurgitated some Doritos and then she went out and made out with him. And I'm sure he was shown the footage and like a good sport. He kind of joked about how it's like, oh, it it tasted kind of like Doritos and everything. And so I appreciated that he wouldn't get like totally angry at uh, these women and everything for their antics and that he kind of more was like a, a producer and that he facilitated them. You know, so but uh, I would say I was not necessarily attracted to him. No, 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 no. No, but I mean, I also think that like when you see the writings on the wall and like this is your last attempt to kind of become popular sure, again, like totally. at that point, you're going to put all your eggs in the basket. It's you're going to lean in. Yeah. You're like, just make me out to be this big rock legend and I'll play the character. <laughs> it's, so true. it's so true. And I appreciate that. And also, I think he knew that he couldn't really he wasn't a big enough star at the time. And I, again, I wasn't around when he hit his peak of fame and everything, but you know, someone like Gene Simmons or someone like Ozzy Osbourne can kind of stand on their own. I mean, obviously they had a cast of uh, like family members who are also characters as well, but I feel like they have been successful for more years and just have built up stronger personas than Brett Michaels and Brett Michaels. Like you said, like you could have really interchanged him with a lot of other kind of like 80s, 90s rockers. almost. Yeah. And also, I thought it was interesting because I was I've been listening to Talk of Love, which is Lacey's podcast. And I bought a I bought a month subscription and uh, Storm TV to Storm TV. <laughs> um, and again, I, you know, I appreciate Lacey and everything, but I was like, OK, I, I guess I didn't really need to buy this. But anyway, um, I heard there was a rumor that uh, or well, I guess it, they they say it's true, which I fully believe them, um, that Brett had a girlfriend at the time. It was an on and off relationship with the mother of his children. 
and that everything was pretty made uh, pretty much made up in terms of like falling in love with this guy. Like he wasn't actually going to pick one of them to be his significant other in the end. Right. I remember Lacey on my show telling me that she at one point, you know, I think it was still early on in the show. She asked him, she's like, are you really here to find love or is this just a publicity stunt? And he told her off camera, he's like, it's just a publicity stunt. And she said that's when she knew she was really going to lean into the villain character and make herself the New York of Rock of Love and make herself that polarizing, you know, villain that we all love to hate. Because she was like, at this point, there is no opportunity. He's not looking to date any of the women. So let me just at least create an entertaining show. And she kind of put her own producer hat on and was like, I'm going to play this to my advantage and at least build a brand out of it. Totally. Which I think is really important. And like you said, and she saw what had happened with New York and kind of went from there, which I think it, I think is interesting though, because for the most part, there wasn't really a breakout star from Rock of Love, in my opinion, that had the lasting power like New York does um, because people are still using her reaction memes and referencing her time on the show. Like it is, you don't even have to have watched Flavor of Love. She's kind of ubiquitous, which is amazing, you know, because that was 15 years ago. I think we could have had we given one of the women more star or more uh, TV time, more airtime. Because think about it, New York was on season one and she was on season two. I love that and she, she got invited back. Yeah. Right. And she had her own spinoff that lasted two seasons, right. which then, you know, brought another spinoff with I love with New York goes to Hollywood and New York goes to work. Yep. So, you know, there we gave her a lot more airtime to give us a lot of those moments. Whereas I think yeah. had we invested a little more in Lacey or even Heather, like Heather was really in love with Brett. She got like the tattoo on her neck. Like that was, right. that was some bad shit, crazy stuff. And I think <laughs> had we given one of them a little more airtime, we probably could have gotten something or even Tiffany, poor Tiffany was only like three episodes and then we never saw her again. We never so, got Tiffany of love. Exactly. Yeah. It's and so true. She, she was iconic in those first like two she, or three episodes that I we mean, got with her. We are so, like, yeah, we are still saying don't threaten me with a good time because that is a great line. Mm-hmm. I do find it interesting that they chose, I can understand, like you said, them going the route of of like a Megan Hauserman for like Megan wants a millionaire. But it is interesting that they decided and like I'm weird and I I enjoy Daisy just because I think she's cute. But do I think she has like overpowering charisma? No, I don't. I think she's like hot. Uh, She's a very certain brand of hot. And I think that's appealing to a lot of people, a lot of men who went on that show, but I don't think she has really the personality to kind of sustain an entire series, which we honestly saw played out on her season. So, right. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. 
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Did you have any, like, who were your favorite contestants from the show? Because I just feel like there were, you know, a lot of unsung heroes on these, on these shows, for sure. I mean, uh, Tiffany is a soft spot in my heart and Lacey as the villain. Sure. But I think I really love, I did love Megan. Um, and I really <laughs> yeah. loved Brandy C. I think the Brandy two of C. them and their bond together was just like, it, it was very entertaining <laughs> to watch. I loved the two of them. Totally. Yeah. Brandy C was, f- I forgot about Brandy C. <laughs> she was funny. She's very funny. I love, um, there's a scene, I think, in honestly, like the first episode of Rock of Love where she's comparing her breast implants to Heather's and they're like, or not Heather's, it was Aaron, uh, who they later deemed Starfucker. Um, but they were like, mine's the gummy bear kind. And I just like, that was fun for me. That was fun <laughs> to watch like a 15 year old me being like, I'm so confused, but I'm so into right? this. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought also, I think it's interesting because the contestants were on, they were this, I mean, no shame from the contestants here. I mean, it is, they almost at points watching, rewatching these shows, I don't think they even realized they were on a reality series because they, some of them, I mean, a lot of them would get not only bombed like one night. And I think, you know, that used to be a trope on the bachelor. You would get one person who would get absolutely smashed out of their minds (laughs) and forget it was, they were on national television, um, like the night, night one, but it would really not happen again. But on these shows, these girls were just inhaling alcohol And it was episode after episode after episode. And I'm not saying that's a smart thing to do, but it led to some pretty funny moments. Well, and Brett, I think, even admitted later on that like he wanted it to feel like a party. So he wanted them to be bombed the entire time because he wanted it to be like just one big rock and roll after party. Yeah. Which is what he said his he wanted the premise of the show to center around, which is interesting. But um, no, but they just gave us so much. I mean, we have them. We had what Brandy M in like one of the final few episodes um, of her season where she's like throwing up at the table. because yes. She's so drunk. She's so drunk. They really just gave us everything. Yes, I do. And one of the moments that just stands out in my mind personally um, is the first episode of season three of Rock of Love Bus when the one girl, I think her name was DJ Lady Tribe. Actually, I know her name was DJ Lady Tribe. (laughs) Takes a shot out of another girl's vagina. And... 
They couldn't even, they couldn't even say, they had to get Marcia, who was from Brazil and spoke Portuguese. They had to get her to say it in Portuguese. I mean, it was hilarious. They, (laughs) they really didn't, they gave everything. Um, And it's just, it, it kind of like makes you think like, what did they, I remember even Lacey saying that like when it came to their interviews, they were looking for the craziest, wildest personality. So yeah. she even would fake some of her dating stories where she's like, yeah, I had the craziest space I had sex was jumping out of a plane skydiving. <laughs> and it's like, how could that ever happen? But they wanted people that were such big, crazy personalities that were just unapologetically themselves and unafraid to give us these moments. And that's what made the show so iconic. That's it's so true. It's so true. I know. And it's so funny to watch back and just the willingness, I think, of these women to kind of go on this show in front of, you know, a national audience, millions of viewers and admit all these crazy things like again and embarrass themselves and embarrass, like really embarrass themselves. Like, uh, again, I'm going to mention DJ Lady Tribe once again, where she comes up and again, this is the first episode again, because she only lasted one episode where she takes a piece of paper to read like a little wrap she's made for Brett. And on the paper, on the back of the paper, for everyone to see is like instructions to cure gonorrhea, which just, you know, is is not happening on a lot of mainstream dating shows. But does it happen on Rock of Love? Of course it does. And listen, we learned how to cure gonorrhea. We (laughs) learned that it was educational for us. We learned how to take a coochie shot. We learned how to, you know... It's, cure gonorrhea. It's we learned. so true. We did learn. We I, let me just say that I it, watching Rock of Love really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And what's funny is so this happened kind of when I was in high school and I would reference the show throughout college because I don't know why, I guess just to forewarn people that, you know, I love really trashy television. And every time I would mention it, it would always get met with like, oh my God, I watch that. Sh- I love those shows. So you know what? I'm just going to say I wasn't the only one who loved these shows. You love these shows. A lot of people I've met throughout the years have loved these shows because they're so crazy. They're so crazy. And listen, Rock of Love was the most watched television show ever in the whole universe. So <laughs> obviously everybody Michaels. remembers it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I mean, obviously, you know, the contestants on this show are just the willing their willingness to do a lot to put themselves out there in a way that I don't think we've seen since. <laughs> and and kind of harkens back to what you're saying, like Jerry Springer, Maury, where you get these people who just kind of want their 15 minutes. And again, you know, there wasn't really social. There might have been like MySpace during Rock of Love era, but there wasn't yeah. really any way that we could like trace things back to them. And I don't know if that was also maybe part of it as well. But it seems like not really, because it seems like a lot of these people are on social media and they're, you know, promoting their business and brands and everything. I guess what did did you like the element of Big John? Because I feel like for Flavor of Love, we had Rick, but Rick wasn't kind of embedded on a personal level the way that I think Big John, who was Brett's number one security guy, was kind of there for Brett. I mean, I get it in the sense that like they we're trying to build up the image that like these rock and roll stars have like their big John. He's always going right. to be there to break up all these ladies. Cause they just can't stop fighting over Brett Michaels. <laughs> and, you know? Yeah. 
I get the character and the trope and like, I get what they were trying to do with that. Uh, But like, I don't think we needed him to be as involved as he was. But I think a lot of it was because Brett wasn't physically always in the house and he wasn't living there with the other women because now it seems he had a on and off girlfriend this entire time. So it seemed like they needed another character to kind of carry some of the weight when Brett wasn't around. Sure. That's so interesting. And honestly, I'm I'm really a gullible person. I will wholeheartedly admit this, but that is a little disappointing to learn that, you know, he wasn't living at the mansion in his rock suite. What? But <laughs> I mean, you know, he had children, I guess. Um, I just want to also yeah. talk about and a girlfriend and a girlfriend and a girlfriend <laughs> who I think is still his girlfriend. So talk about a long lasting relationship. She's she's seen a lot. I mean, she's put up with a lot. If you can love him as he's dating half of America <laughs> on national television, then Ooh. that's love right there. It's so true. And I also found what's interesting. If you look up his current, the mother of his children, the on and off fling, who was also on the Brett Michaels Life as I know it show or whatever. Life as I know it. She looks a lot like Christy Joe. And I remember listening to Lacey's podcast saying that he had a really strong connection with Christy Joe. And I, I've always thought that was really funny because Christy Joe looks a lot like the mother of his children. And isn't her name Christy Lynn? Oh, it, you know what? I think you're, I think you're <laughs> So there are a lot of similarities there. Yeah, for sure. A lot of similarities. I think, yeah, I think part of it was that he was, he actually had a connection with Christy Joe. Maybe that was like sure. on one of the months that him and Christy Lynn were like on a break. <laughs> yeah. And I think it probably was the fact that Christy Joe was one of the, the women that left voluntarily because sure. she's like, I need to work on me. So it was a rejection. And it wasn't like a rodeo where like rodeo and him Rode- were never going to be a match. Like that was never going to work out. So when rodeo is like, I need to go to see my kid. He's like, <laughs> okay, go to see your kid and your wife. And so with Christy Joe though, I feel like she actually had like she was very genuine and she was very sincere and there was like some sort of connection that was actually developed there that I think the fact that she walked away from him Mm -hmm. while that was building that made him want her even more because he was like you're not gonna tell me I can't have you (laughs) because like men men like the chase right (laughs) and especially if she resembles Christy Lynn and he is probably heartbroken at the time with Christy Lynn because she probably was on a break with him I think it was all kind of tied together. Do you like how I just theorize all these things? No, I love these are great theories. <laughs> I think you're a hundred percent correct. And um, yeah, and there's also something. There's an element to Christy Joe in that she seems very sweet, but like the amount of restraining orders she talked about on that show, and <laughs> I remember her saying like, "I just got divorced, and now I'm getting my second marriage annulled." I think there's like kind of a like a, I don't want to say like, but like a level of instability there that is, can be kind of appealing to some people. It can maybe be a little appealing to a one Mr. Brett Michaels, who's, you know, into that rock lifestyle. So yeah, he loves the chaos. He and I loves think the she chaos. Brought the, she brought an element of like that girl next door <laughs> sort of energy, but also, you know, the chaos, but, but crazy, you know, right. uh, what is it? A lady in the streets, a freak in the sheets. <laughs> yes. Like she gave off that energy. And totally. He was like, I want that. I want it. And, uh, and he couldn't have it like you're saying. So that was a little uh, depressing. But um, I also want to talk about a little bit about, because after rewatching these shows that like I do so many times a year, um, yeah. 
the number of things that just would not work today or that have aged poorly are just kind of so amazing. Cringe. So cringe. I mean, again, I literally watched like a lot of the first season the other day and the amount of slut shaming, like in one episode alone, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Or can we even just talk about the challenges? Like he literally had a phone sex challenge yes. where he had a boner yes. barometer yes. That, that like would measure how turned on he the was blood based flow. on this yeah. phone sex. Yeah. I was like, are you, this is so crazy. Um, or the, the lingerie mud wrestle. Like it was all, yeah, it was all just so cringe. And so cringe. I mean, Kind of hilarious to look back on, but also kind of like, how are we how is this 13, 15 years old watching these things? And I mean, I don't even think we were the youngest people watching these shows. I'm like totally, here watching no. them do a strip tease, you know, for Brett behind the screen. Yes. Like, it was all just so wild. It was absolutely nuts. And just the amount of... Like you said, I think, you know, he was like, I want this to be rock of party and everything. And the the number of wild parties that they show and they couldn't obviously show all of it because that would have been, you know, banned from TV kind of uh, thing. I actually I would love to see like an uncensored version, like if we could get the old party footage and they sold it on like DVDs, I would totally buy one. But oh, yeah, I, I remember watching one of the random episodes and we've got it's like people are Heather is smashing a guitar topless we've got what appears to be the beginnings of a threesome I mean it was just abs and a lot of stripper pole kind of dancing and everything just stuff that they would never show on television nowadays you know unless you're like on HBO or something Right. And it's like scripted, you know, right. or it's like actually an MA genre that's like in the porn category. Right. Like it really is the things that we learned. Like we really learned a lot about sex on that show. Oh my God. And we yeah. learned about rock and roll culture on that show. I mean, I don't even so think that true. was rock and roll culture. I think it was like a parody of what, you know, we all wanted to believe rock and roll right. culture was, but totally. it was really just people getting hammered and just getting lit. They were, it was right. like Liddy City <laughs> times a hundred. It really was. It was them excusing it and saying, that's just rock and roll, baby. Like that's just, yeah. you know, do the rock hand or Brett did that a lot. Um, <laughs> exactly. What's a going on? Well, see, that's also I love his "What's a going on" phrase too. I I used to say that a lot. Um, that's embarrassing, but um, <laughs> I also it was interesting to see and you know Waz and Van talked about it on their episode as well. Uh, the number of just like blatant slut shaming, blatant like you can't be a sex worker, like you think sh you're you're gonna marry this stripper whore, and it's just like. Oh yeah. my God, you're, you were not, you not, did not just say that. Like, and the way they would villainize some of these women for being exotic dancers, for being strippers is it was just like, honestly, I was watching and I was like, I am upset by this. Like, I remember the way they pitted Amber. Oh, I do not like Amber. I'm sorry. And Daisy. <laughs> and I think, again, I think I feel some kind of, um, just like, uh, I don't know, like, a. I don't want to say motherly way towards Daisy, but I do feel like I, I want to like protect her somehow because Amber was so mean in the way she was saying like, you're just a stripper and just like kind of calling her out for her livelihood. And it was just like, oh my God, listen, lady, you lied about your age. I 
I love how they were all half naked and getting hammered. But like the biggest insult is that you're a stripper. Like that was like the big, the meanest thing you could call each other on that show was a stripper. Um, And who knew? I mean, strippers are popping right now. They have OnlyFans. They're doing the damn thing. They've, you know, (laughs) built their life around it. Um, No, it was. I mean, there was a lot of that, that slut shaming and a lot of just like, but I mean, that's like where our culture was at the time. Like it was like, let's just, uh, let's, you know, dehumanize women and let's over sexualize them. And, you know, I mean, even when they came into the house, right? Like how were they introduced? They did a photo shoot for Brett (laughs) and they had to be super sexy to get their backstage pass. And like, you know, it's just, it's wild that that's what our culture was at that time. And we've like evolved and grown so much from that. But it is funny because it's like half of that stuff. You would never have a phone sex competition now. You would never be introduced, you know, having to do a photo shoot for this man where you have to be so sexy and like, you know, show us your boobs in order to like, you know, get noticed now. Exactly. And honestly, I don't think they would even serve as much alcohol as, you know. They, they no. did then, you know. Now they limit it. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I also thought it was interesting, too, is like the diversity or lack of diversity, especially like on the first season of Rock of Love, where I think I think like two um, people of color were eliminated the first night and that left like, you know, 15 blondes. But um, and then the whole and I know you talked to her a little bit about it on your podcast. Um, Lacey's whole altercation with Dallas, which was just like watching that. I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is yikes. This is not good. Like you don't treat other people like that. And just the way it was targeted too was just, oh my God, watching it back was really uncomfortable. It was. Um, but I mean, here's the thing about like that of love world too, is I also don't think like, yes, a lot of it was very problematic and a lot of it would not fly today. But I also think a lot of it did so much more for us culturally Mm -hmm. than a show like The Bachelor did. You know what I mean? Whereas The Bachelor very much prioritized, you know, stick thin, you know, beautiful, blonde, you know, white, and they still do. Look at how long it took us for us to to get the first Black Bachelor. Whereas on VH1, we had Flava Flav, who was the the suitor. And it did, and the ratings were incredible. And not only that, but you look at the women and yes, majority of them, maybe, you know, there wasn't a ton of diversity, but they introduced women that were older. They introduced yep. women that were young. They introduced women that had curves. They introduced, so you true. know, Latin women and, you know, black women and white women. Like we had, you know, I mean, granted, you know, you had like uh, some of the names Flav was given some of these women, you know, maybe sure. weren't the best, but it was giving us exposure. And like, listen, yes. I always like to think of it as like, look, if you, you put a kindergartner in a white room and you give them a box of crayons, they're going to color on the walls. And the kindergartner didn't know any better. And that's what I equivalent to us at that time. We it's didn't so know true. any better culturally. So we've grown and evolved since then. But you also have to think of like flavor of love led to rock of love. Rock of love led to all these other of love shows that even brought us a shot at love with Tila Tequila, which oh. was the first bisexual in, you know, and we (laughs) didn't even realize how much of this exposure we were getting on cable that we aren't and weren't getting at that time on the main, you know, networks. I mean, the only time I know we've compared it to like Jerry Springer and Maury, but like, what was Jerry Springer and Maury? They were exploiting like little people and like, you know, 
I slept with your mom yeah. and like these like, you know, and I'm missing teeth. Like it was just such like, it was trash TV, but it was also like meant to be the butt of a joke. Right. That I think these other shows really did kind of amplify, you know, a lot of everyday people that, totally. you know, that maybe... That other people maybe not entirely, but yeah, but it gave you know average people an opportunity to be on television to expose us to different parts of the world that we weren't really getting from you know the traditional network. That's so that's such a good point, and you know I don't think New York would have been cast on you know an iteration of The Bachelor, Bachelor. and and she, I mean, wow, I the way in which she has honestly captured the internet and has done so for literally 15 years. I mean, you can't compare her success with anyone, really. It's amazing. (laughs) She is name one bachelor contestant (laughs) that has the the longevity that uh, New York has had. You can't. You literally cannot. Um, And again, you know, she was able to parlay this into a whole reality career. She's still hosting reality shows. I mean, it's amazing and good for her. She is absolutely hilarious. Um, But also, I kind of briefly want to talk to you about some of the spinoffs. We got, you know, we, yes. we talked a little bit about Daisy of Love. Um, I know you're a Charm School fan. I know. Oh, love Charm yeah. School. Yeah. Oh, my God. What did you love about Charm School? Charm School with uh, Ricky Lake, who was the dean for one of them. And so was uh, Sharon Osbourne. We had... Yeah, it was Sharon Osbourne and that, well, yeah, the original Charm School was with Monique and that was the Flavor oh, yes. of Love Girls. And then they brought in Rock of Love and that one, I mean, I just love that we had like the baddest of the bad girls mm-hmm. together and it wasn't like a bad girls club where they're all in a house just fighting with each other. Right. It was like, we're trying to reform these women. We're trying to make them as if they're fresh out of prison and we're right, trying to yeah, rehab exactly. them back into society, right? <laughs> yes. And I just love that like we were putting these bad girls mm-hmm. that knew they were supposed to play the character of bad girls Mm -hmm. in these challenges that were supposed to like teach them etiquette and teach them style and all of that. And it was just, to me, it was hilarious. I loved seeing them interact with each other because you had the best and the best of seasons one and season two on Rock of Love Girls Charm School and all interacting together (laughs) in one house. And they brought it, you know, even Megan, she's like, when I was cast on that show, she's like, they told me I was never going to win. So I just came to be the bad girl and to, you know, stir up the drama and stir up the tea. I love it. And she did. She did. She brought it um, so much so that she had a physical altercation with Sharon, which um, iconic, honestly. And right. <laughs> that was good. So much so that she still can't even talk. The NDA <laughs> is still so strict that they still can't even discuss. It. Absolutely wild. Um, which also, you know, led to her show, Megan Watts Millionaire. And unfortunately, as I'm sure you know, obviously, as you know, someone who is listening to this podcast, if you're a fan of uh, these VH1 shows, knows that one of the contestants, Ryan Jenkins from Megan Watts Millionaire, went on to murder his wife and then commit suicide. So uh, they had to cancel Megan Watts Millionaire. I think only like one or two episodes actually aired on VH1, I want to say. I know she put out some of them recently to like I think it was right as the third episode was about to air that the scandal broke. And it was, 
I mean, it's crazy, but it's also wild to realize because he went on, he was one of the runner-ups on Megan Wants a Millionaire. Right. And then they had taped, what was it? The third season of I Love Money. And he was the winner of that show. And they had already completed production on I Love Money 3 and on Megan Wants a Millionaire when all of this sort of broke. And they're like, wow, he's somebody that made it to the finale in both of these shows. Wild. We have to cancel them. But the interesting thing was 51 Minds, who was doing the casting on these shows, yeah. ended up really getting in trouble with VH1 because VH1's like, you're not doing deep enough background yeah. checks into these contestants. And we learned that they were kind of just fast-tracking people through. And that's what ended this whole of Love series Ugh. because they pulled all the shows. I Love New York, uh, season three was pulled. She was taping another spinoff with them. Uh, Flavor of Love was about to do another season as well. And it was all just completely scrapped because the relationship with 51 Minds broke down because we realized that the, the people that they were using to cast, and that's how we got so many of these crazy wild characters. Right. Yeah, I think exactly. Casting probably, casting probably continued to get looser and looser because they realized it was bringing more entertaining talent television sure. until we get to a point where you have a contestant that's so unhinged that he actually murders his wife and goes on the run. Right. Yeah. Which was, I remember when this happened, I was like, oh, my, like how horrific and just how do you let this happen? But I think you're right. I think it was just one of those oversights where it's like, well, this, you know, way of casting has worked for so long. It's given us so many great, insane, truly insane characters. And then, you know, you slip up once and it's just, it's not good, obviously. And, um, but it's, I, I think just the larger issue of casting people even persists to this day. It's kind of crazy. Like even on shows like the bachelor and the bachelorette, which, you know, are, you know, these are, that's a network TV show. Like that's an ABC show. Um, watched by millions of people, but every year it never fails every season of any of the bachelor franchises. And I am embedded pretty deep in that show, unfortunately, but, um, <laughs> there's always a couple people that come out, um, with bad tweets or, you know, bad Instagram posts. And, and it's just like, I really don't think we've done or casting, uh, companies have done their due diligence in a way that I guess, should should now that reality TV has been around for so long. And it's kind of it's kind of amazing to watch to see people like still, you know, there's still cracks in the system, so to speak, I think. See, my thing is, is it are they cracks or are we intentionally just kind of turning the other cheek because we know it's going to bring press exposure to the show? That's a great point. I'll tell you this. I've been in casting for shows like this, for dating shows, competition shows, and the process now is so intense. Like they literally do an entire SWAT and like background check into all of your social media. Mm -hmm. And I know because here in California, if they're going to do background checks like that, they have to give you the opportunity to ask for a copy. And of course, I'm going to ask for a copy I'm going to see like, I'm going to be like, what is everything that's flagged is inappropriate. Sorry. Luckily, none of my stuff was in the red. It was always like in the green and maybe one or two that was kind of in the yellow. Sure. But and I remember looking through everything and being like, interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. That, okay. I didn't see that, you know, but so, and so I know that the process now in, re, in at least the last three years has gotten so intense that there's no way that they're not, that they don't catching some of these this. things. Yeah, totally. You know? That's such a good point. That's such a good point. 
And they have to know that at some point something is going to resurface because right. you have so many, you know, people on the internet that are just waiting for that next big scandal. It's and so right true. now, and then it brings all of the attention back to the franchise and it keeps the franchise relevant. It, you're so right. And it's like the risk reward kind of mantra going on here where it's like, well, can we let this slide and they'd be a great character? And is it the end of the world, you know, that they had some problematic tweets, you know, a few years ago. And I think a lot of these casting directors go, no, it's it's something that we're OK with and honestly might open yeah. up a larger conversation and everything. And and again, the, the casting directors and just the producers of these shows are sneaky, sneaky people and they're very intelligent. So and and, mm-hmm. uh, and they've given us so much. So who am I to complain, I guess? I hear you. <laughs> you know, I guess anything else you want to add about Rock of Love, 15 years later. Again, I hate saying that because I feel so old, but uh, yeah. I I can't believe it's been 15 years. It's it sick. feels like maybe like six years right? at best. Right, yeah. Not 15 years. Not 15 years. But I mean, listen, Brett has, <laughs> is still going. You just said he had his, you know, his moment on The Masked Singer, which career high. Obviously. You know. And so, I mean, listen, it, we're still talking about it all this time later. I would love to see a resurgence oh. of, you know, shows like this. I don't know if they, I mean, obviously I don't think they would ever work today, but I think yeah. that's why it's fun to go back and revisit them and kind of be like, so true. ooh, that was wild. Glad we're not there anymore, but that was wild. Right. And to enjoy it for what it was, um, you know, with the limited palette that we had at that time <laughs> and to be able to kind of look back, reflect, appreciate, you know, and, and continue to move forward. But I mean, I would love to see, you know, I liked that model of how we had these of love shows yeah. and then we did all of these different spinoffs oh. and we had the I Love Money and the charm schools. The competitions. I, I think that's working. And I think reality TV, you know, we're seeing Netflix kind of start to try to do that. Sure. We see Bravo trying to do that with the Housewives franchise. So I think- That's a great- Listen, that was the golden era of reality <laughs> it TV. Was. It- Producers nowadays need to take notes <laughs> and start embedding that in because I think I'm ready. For it. <laughs> I'm ready as well. That's, it's, I mean, when you say golden age, you're, you are- truly saying it because that's really what it was. And as happy as I am to know that we have moved on from a lot of, you know, these transgressions, I guess, um, on these shows, it's a guilty pleasure to look back and kind of see how far we've come and just also witness things, even though I've watched them so many, so many times that I could, you know, they replay constantly in my mind. Um, to witness things of an earlier era that would just never fly. And it's there's something nostalgic about it, however gross it is. And and just watching that is it's comforting, I guess. I don't know. It's 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 fascinating for sure. So thank you so much to my co-host Zach Peter of the hashtag no filter with Zach Peter podcast. Make sure you go and listen to that. He also has great YouTube videos. Thank you to our producer, Kaya McMullen. And thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, We will be back with another pop culture history lesson soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.